So, Morgan, who do you think? Do you think Syracuse women are going to win tonight? I hope so. I hope so too. And do you think the UConn women's team was going to win tonight? Which one? UConn is playing Oregon State. Syracuse is playing the Washington Huskies. Syracuse is playing Washington. Who do you want to win? Washington. Oh! Syracuse. Yeah, that's the right answer. And then UConn is playing Oregon State. Who do you want to win? Syracuse. Well, UConn, and, UConn is not playing Syracuse. UConn and Oregon State. You have to pick. Is it going to be UConn or is it going to be Oregon State? <laughs> now I've brainwashed you. <laughs> hey, yum's the word, haven't you heard? The yum's the word, it was started by a bird. My name is Robin. And her hair has lots of curls. Actually, I blow it out a lot. True stories, some awkward. Like wedding the bed next to your boyfriend. Pretty funny. And absurd. Like your boss tickling your side boob. So welcome all you nerds. And cool people too. This is for everyone. Except kids. Yum's the word. Hey everybody, welcome to Yum's the Word. I'm Robin Gelfenbein, and at the top you heard my six and a half year old niece, Morgan, talking about one of my very favorite topics college hoops. Now, I have to say this was a great March Madness season for me because both the Syracuse men's and women's teams went to the Final Four. I was actually at work on the Friday before the Final Four, and somebody said, hey, is Syracuse playing tonight? And I said, no, but they're playing tomorrow night and Monday night because I am very confident. Unfortunately, as we all know, they lost, but the men's team shocked everyone with how far they went. Not me. My screen name, Cuse all the way. So, I had them going all the way, which put me at the very top of my pool until the very end. And I ended up coming in in second place. Not too shabby. You know what else isn't too shabby? The fact that the Syracuse women's team went to the Final Four for the very first time. They lost UConn in the end, who also wound up being the first team to win four national championships in a row. My sister actually played on the UConn women's team the first time they won. Very proud of her. Very proud of her. So with all of these firsts, today we are going to feature stories of firsts. First up is Colin Willem. Colin is the host and creator of two fantastic storytelling shows, Surprise Stories and Friday Night Stories. He's also a Moth Story Slam winner, and this is his story of his very first kiss. So we're in Mrs. Davis's sophomore honors English class in high school, and we're silently reading The Crucible, which is a laugh riot if you've never read it before. And I'm having trouble concentrating for a couple of reasons. One, because I have a mild case of dyslexia. So I have to read something two or three times before it actually registers. Um, I'm like a poster child for Adderall, even though I've legally never obtained a, a prescription for it. And the other reason is because I'm very noise sensitive and I hear this sound. And I perk my head up from my textbook and I look at the other students around me. And there, on the other side of the room, I see the object of my annoyance. 
Jenny Van Vlack. Now I've known Jenny since we were in sixth grade together at Indian Hills Elementary School. We we're little tykes running around on the playground. She's petite, she's cute, and she's twirling her long brown hair in one of her hands. I zero in on the other hand and I watch as it slowly slides across the top of the piece of paper she's reading. And when it gets to the edge, she turns her hand and she drags it down to the very bottom of the page. And she repeats this action over and over again and it is slowly driving me insane. <laughs> now at the end of the school year, I have to get Mrs. Davis's permission in order to advance to junior honors English class. And Mrs. Davis, she's intimidating, she's strict, and she's got kind of an evil queen from Snow White thing going on. She's very tall and she's got pasty white skin and she's got this short black hair and she wears this deep red shade of lipstick. And I nervously hand her my permission slip and she takes it and she thinks and she signs her name and she writes two words after it and she hands it back to me. And I look and there beside her signature are two words that nobody can mistake because they're written in big block letters. It says, with reservations. <laughs> now the sad thing is, I don't know what that means. So that evening, I get off the school bus and I run into my bedroom and I grab the Webster's Dictionary, which is a book filled with lots of definitions, and I flip through <laughs> to the R section and I look and I, I find there are a couple of different definitions and one is very negative and I think, well, she probably, she probably means that one. And the other definition is, is positive and I convince my brain that that's probably what she was going for. Like, make sure you reserve a seat in your class for Colin because this kid, he's definitely going places. Well, I get into junior honors English class and Jenny Van Vlack is in the class too. And she still does this annoying thing with her paper every time we, time we have silent reading. One day after class, Jenny asks me if I wanna hang out after school. Now, I'm a very shy, introverted person. I spend my lunch breaks eating by myself and the other kids in school, they make fun of me. Um, they call me toupee because of the way that I wear my hair. Uh, perfect. <laughs> and so I basically, I have two options. I can either say yes or I can say no because that's how decision-making works. <laughs> and I say yes and that afternoon Jenny, she drives us in her red Mercury Cougar to her house and I hang out in her bedroom with her and her very best friend, Katie. Now, Katie is identical to Jenny except she has long black hair instead of brown hair. And we're sitting there and we're talking about other students and our teacher and Jenny suggests that we play strip poker. Now I've never played poker before and I've definitely never played strip poker. And apparently neither of these two girls because in five minutes they're both topless. I've never seen a boob before and now I've got four staring me right in the face. And I'm a little excited. And I am now down to my undershirt and my boxer shorts, and I have just lost one of those articles of clothing. And I go with the obvious choice, my boxer shorts. Um, I'm, I'm very sensitive about my upper body. I have a, a bit of a gelatinous mass around my midsection. 
And, uh, and after some prodding, I mean, they say, we showed you ours, you have to show us yours. I get up on the bed and I pull my boxer shorts down to just below my ankles and I stand up for like a second and I grab them and I pull them back up and I get off the bed and I'm feeling pretty good because I've done something today that I normally would not do. And they didn't laugh, and I take that as a good sign. Well, now Jenny, she had been dating this guy, Ryan, for about a year, and they had broken up, and I thought there's probably a really good chance they saw each other naked. And call it curiosity or a guy thing, but I asked Jenny, I say, I ask her which one of us is bigger. <laughs> and she doesn't tell me, and it's, it's probably a good thing. Um, but the three of us, Jenny, Katie, and myself, we become really good friends, and we start to do everything together. We're our own little clique, and we, like, make up our own language, and for a period of time, we all think the word wolf is the funniest word in the English language. Well, one day, after I've been hanging out at Jenny's house, she drives me back to my house, and it's a, it's a dark night, and the sky is lit up with stars, and the lights in my house are still on. And we're sitting out in the car, and Jenny just doesn't want to stop the conversation. She keeps it going. And I'm like, listen, I have a curfew. My parents are going to get mad if I don't go inside. And I get out of the car, and Jenny gets out with me. And we walk around to the back, and she sits up on the trunk. And she wants to know about my love life, and she asks, why haven't you ever kissed a girl before? And she closes her eyes, and she says, come here. And she grabs my hand and she pulls me in close. And she kind of cocks her head and my eyes are wide open. And she like plants her wet lips on my very dry chapped lips and they're closed. And she tells me to relax and I'm like, I can't relax. You don't understand how stressful this is for me right now. <laughs> and she's like, just open your mouth a little bit. And I, I do and she starts to, um, she slips me the tongue and I react the same way I did the first time I tried seafood, which wasn't good. I, like, I start to gag and I back away a little bit because I do not want to vomit all over Jenny Van Vleck. And I, I go inside the house and we, we really, we don't talk about it. I mean, Jenny, she definitely wants something more, but I don't understand why we can't just keep it the way it is. I, I like what we've got going. But Jenny, that's just not good enough for her. And a few weeks later, we just stop hanging out. Now, what I don't know and what I figure out about five years later is that I'm a flaming homosexual. <laughs> but at the time, I guess you could say I just had reservations. <laughs> Thank you. Now, Sometimes, sometimes I make um, little dioramas to go along with the stories that I tell. So I made this special for Robin, and I, I've been working on this for like the past three weeks. It's crazy. So this is a representation of my very first kiss. That was Colin Willem. You can find Colin on Twitter at, this is honestly the best handle ever, the fuck it list. And you can find a picture of Colin's diorama on our Instagram. That is at yums the word show. You can also see all the trash talking I was doing about Syracuse men's and women's basketball on there over the last week. 
Speaking of college hoops, since Morgan has now become such an enthusiastic Syracuse fan, I chatted with her a little bit more about my beloved Orange. All right, so if it comes down to Syracuse playing UConn, who do you want to win? Syracuse. That's right. Syracuse. That's right. Syracuse. That's right. That is the right answer, Morgan. Well done. Syracuse. Mm-hmm. <laughs> do you think you'll go to Syracuse when you get older to go to college? I do not want to do that. Why not? I don't want to because I'm not very good at sports. Oh, well, you don't have to play sports. Wait. You can go to school, though. Yes, that's cool. But in college, you have to pay for every day. Pay for what? To go that, to that school. That's right. Please. Mm-hmm. We'll see where Morgan ends up going to school in about 12 years. All I'm saying is that auntie went to Syracuse, I went to Syracuse, so if we follow the aunt-niece lineage, Morgan and Jenna are going. All right, next up is Mara Wilson. Mara recently appeared on Broad City, and you may remember her from Mrs. Doubtfire and when she played the leading role in Matilda. This is her story about the first time she cut school for a pretty great reason. I was born the first daughter after three boys, and I spent most of my childhood chasing after them, trying to do whatever it was the big boys were doing. Uh, And they spent most of their childhood and adolescence uh, trying to get rid of me. Uh, (laughs) I always wanted to do the things they did because it just seemed so much more fun and so exciting. And sometimes they would let me uh, tag along, but a lot of times not. Uh, Usually the ones who would were my oldest older brother, Danny, who was a lot like me. He was very outspoken and he was very extroverted, at least as a child. And he he had actually been an actor and was the reason that I got into acting. And then later on he decided that he wanted to save lives instead and uh, went into a different field. Then there was my brother Joel, who was the youngest of my three brothers. Uh, Joel was very goofy. He'd always just kind of yell, party! And he would, you know, he would watch people. He was very observant. He loved animals. He loved children. My dad used to compare him to St. Francis, just like kids and dogs and cats, just like all around him. But I always compared him more as like a cross between Jane Goodall and Andrew W.K. Uh, And then there was my brother, John. Now, John was the middle brother. And he kind of didn't look like the rest of us. He had different eyes. He had this like curly Jufro. There's got to be a better word than Jufro, but for lack of a better term, he had like really curly big hair. Uh, He never had acne like the rest of us, never needed glasses like the rest of us, never needed braces like the rest of us. And he was smart, really, really smart. I mean, all of my brothers were smart, but John was the most academic. John learned to read when he was two. And we have video footage of him as like a five-year-old swinging his sippy cup around and my mom yelling at him to stop and him saying, no, it's a centripetal force. (laughs) He was always the one to actually, you, you know, well, actually they did have cars in 1983. (laughs) Well, actually, I think that you are, uh, I think that you're kind of like downplaying uh, the Menshevik's role in the Russian revolution. You know, actually, Mara, you can't just say it's a free country to tell me to get out of your room. Life is not a democracy. 
uh, I hated that, and we were butting heads all the time because he always had something to say and always had something to teach, and I thought he was annoying and condescending, and he thought that I was annoying and clingy, and we were both probably right. And people always told me that we wouldn't really get along until he went away to college. I didn't think that would happen, but then he came back when I was in middle school, and I knew something had changed when he asked me what music I was listening to. Music was a really big thing for my brothers. Growing up with them was kind of like growing up in a snooty independent record store. Like, I'm still afraid to tell them that I ever even enjoyed the Spice Girls. Uh, I, I was nine at the time. Of course I loved the Spice Girls. Uh, but they, they were always, you know, very, took music very seriously. And they would go down to the Sunset Strip because we lived in L.A. And they would go to shows. And at one point, Joel was dragged up on stage by the lead singer of the Eels. And the guy gave him a sandwich. And they would steal set lists. And music was just this thing. So to have John ask me what music I was listening to, well, that meant that he cared about my opinion. That meant that he was letting me into his world. He did buy me one of my first CDs, which was, um, I'm both proud and embarrassed to say, They Might Be Giants, uh, <laughs> who, I, who I saw here, actually, at Le Poisson Rouge uh, 10 years afterwards. Uh, they were amazing. I lost hearing in one of my ears uh, for 24 hours after that, but it was worth it. Uh, he took me to one of my first concerts, which I'm also both proud and embarrassed to say was Weezer. Uh, yeah. And I started thinking, like, he was letting me into his world, and I wondered if there was anything that I could maybe, like, do for him to impress him, let him know that I was cool, too, you know? And I thought, oh, I don't have anything. Oh, wait, except that I've been in movies. And I, like, know people who work on film sets. And so uh, I made a few calls. I was 12, but I made a few calls. <laughs> and I found out that I knew somebody who was working as an assistant director on John's favorite TV show, The X-Files and they were filming in Griffith Park, 15 minutes away from us. So I kinda, you know, sauntered up, and I was like, hey John, how'd you like to go to the X-Files set? And his eyes lit up, like, whoa, we can do that? And I was like, yeah, you know, I, uh, I know some people, but we have to ask Dad's permission, because it's during the day, and I'll have to be at school, but, but it's the X-Files, Dad'll let us go, right? So we ran up to my dad, and we're like, hey Dad, hey Dad, can we go to the X-Files set this Thursday? And my dad looked at me and John and John to me and said, no, just incredulously. And I said, okay, fine. And I just walked out sort of dejectedly. And I said to John, I guess we can't go. And he said, shh. So Thursday came and I came downstairs and my father wasn't at home. And I found John sitting there writing a note in my father's handwriting and signing it the exact same way my father did, saying, Mara has a doctor's appointment today at one o'clock. Please let her go. I said, John, we can't do this. And he said, yeah, we can, sure we can. He and my brothers had cut school before. It was something that they had done. They were kind of known around school as being like very smart, smart asses. Like if Ferris Bueller was really into Odyssey of the Mind and AP <laughs> Physics. Uh, they never hurt anyone, they never upset anybody, they never, you know, they never did drugs or like, you know, committed petty crimes, anything like that. But, you know, they, they were smart asses and they did cut school and they knew their way around it. So I thought, okay, well, this is what you do, this is like part of your world, I, I, I guess I'm going to have to go along with it. I went to school and I was so nervous and I finally confided in my best friend, Alex. I said, Alex, I might be going to the X-Files set today. And he said, oh my God, Mara, you have to go. It's the X-Files. It's a one in a lifetime opportunity. X-Files fans tend to be a little intense. Uh, 
And I, so I sat there, like, trying not to, like, wet myself with fear, and finally the note comes, and I, they, I have to go to the office. So I go to the office, and John is there, and all of the office women are just, like, in a circle around him, just, like, laughing at everything he says, and being so impressed, and he is just charming the shit out of them. And they're like, oh, wow, you go to Johns Hopkins now? Oh, that's amazing. Oh, you have a double major? Oh, my God. And what? Paleontology and computer science? Wow. They're just blown away. And one of them turns to me and says, so you have a doctor's appointment, Maureen? I go, yes, yes, I do. Yes, I have a doctor's appointment. And they're like, great, great. What? all right, just, you know, go get a checkup and, you know, you'll be fine. So we go out. I say, John, are we really going to do this? And he's like, yeah, of course. I say, but if we get caught, this could be my permanent record. And he says, there's no such thing as a permanent record. (laughs) We get in the car and I say, how do you know? And he says, it's an idle threat. Just think about it. And it was like he'd said, there's no God. Like, this was something which a few years later he and I both would say. Uh, but I, I, I couldn't imagine that. There was something, this great weight was lifted off my shoulders. And I said, how do you know these things? And he's just like, oh, I just do. And he turned on the radio and Layla by Eric Clapton was playing. And he says, did you know that Layla was, was uh, George Harrison's wife? And I thought, oh, my God, I am learning more out of school than in it. <laughs> And I'm learning it from my brother, who I always hated for trying to teach me things. So we drive to Griffith Park, and we get out, and my friend Zoshi meets us there, and she comes over and takes us over there. And the first thing we see is uh, one of the actors at the table, and John goes, oh my god, it's Skinner. And the actor who plays Skinner, his name is Mitch, he's so nice, and he introduces himself to us, and he's joking, and he's laughing, and he's eating candy by the fistful at craft services, and he says, yeah, this is the best part of the job. And I was like, yeah, I know. I've been on movies, too. Uh, but he's so nice to us. Nothing like the dour FBI man that he, that he is on TV. And uh, John and I are just, like, both so excited. And we have such a good time on the set. And we don't actually get to meet Gillian Anderson and David Duchovny, but we do see them. They're a few feet away from us. And Gillian Anderson, I'm happy to note, is sh- shorter than I expected. And she has a Roman nose like I do and is absolutely beautiful. So I was like, okay, okay, we've got this thing going on. Uh, and David Duchovny looks over at us and looks right at us while wearing sunglasses, just like, who are the kids with the shit-eating grins? Uh, and I look over at John, and John just has the biggest smile on his face, and he keeps saying, oh my god, this is so so cool, this is so surreal, this is so cool, this is surreal. And he's just having the best time just being there, just being part of that world. So he drives me back, and it's too late to drive me back to school, so uh, he just you know calls and tells my dad that uh, he's going to pick me up, and that's when I start to get nervous because what if my dad finds out the truth? And we get home, and the minute we get home and I see my dad, I burst into tears. And I just finally go, Dad, I'm really sorry. John and I did the thing that you said we weren't supposed to do. We went to Griffith Park and we went to the Exile set, and I'm so sorry. We cut school. And my dad looks at me for a second like he's thinking of something to say, you know, he's thinking of, pun- of a punishment for me. Then he just kind of gives up. Like, I'm already sobbing at his feet. And I'm, you know, 12 or 13. I'm too old for this. And he's, he's just like, all right, well, she's punished herself. And he yells, John, get in here. And John gets in there. And as I walk away to go sob into the couch, I just hear him go, God damn it, John. Uh, a few minutes later, he walks out. And I see my dad holding John's keys. He took the car away from him. And then I feel even worse because... I just wanted to be a part of my brother's world, and I've thrown him under the bus. I've gotten him in trouble, and I feel even bad. I feel even worse, and I start to cry even harder. And then John comes in after my dad has left, 
And I said, John, I'm so sorry. I thought that I could be like you guys. I thought that I could do these things, but I, I can't. I'm sorry. I don't know why I did this. I just did. And he goes, it's okay. I go, yeah, but I got you in trouble. And he goes, yeah, but, you know, it was worth it, wasn't it? And I thought about it, and it had been the most pleasant afternoon with my brother I'd perhaps ever spent. And it was something that we were going to be able to talk about for years to come. It was something that I would bring up at his wedding 15 years later. And I said, yeah, you know, I guess it was, but I'm really sorry Dad took your car keys. And John just said, don't worry about it. I have another set. Thank you. That was Mara Wilson. You can find Mara on Twitter at Mara Writes Stuff. And she's the host of the live storytelling series, What Are You Afraid Of? She's also got a book coming out this fall called Where Am I Now? Which is available for pre-order. Okay, so we recently got a review of our podcast from one of the most talented storytellers, Matthew Dix, which made me laugh out loud. Matthew wrote, Yum's the word is delicious. Funny, smart, and just enough auntie each week to keep me happy. Yum's the word is a great storytelling podcast, and this coming from someone who doesn't love puns. I look forward to every episode and am never disappointed. Listen. Thank you so much, Matthew, and thank you for giving us five stars. So if you have been enjoying the podcast, please let us know. You can give us a quick review on iTunes, and it will help boost our ratings. So thank you in advance for that. Also, our next live show is Tuesday, April 19th. You can get tickets and details at yumsthewordshow.com. It's the day before 420, so the theme is Cherry Garcia Stories of Music. Hope you can join us. The stories you just heard were recorded live at Le Poisson Rouge in New York City. The podcast is produced by me, Robin Gelfenbein, and Alex Fulton, who wrote some of the music. And the theme song is by Mark Radcliffe. Special thanks to Matt Fiddler, Michael Cedar, Danny Artis, Megan Deneen, Talia Sharon, Carly Patrone, and, of course, Morgan. I'm Morgan. Thanks for listening. Hope you get a piece. And until next time. Shalom, Morgan. Shalom, Achoo. Achoo! Yum's the word.